Welcome to MedKinza Talks, your go-to source for bite-sized content in becoming future doctors. I'm your host, Kinza Hussein, and I'm a second-year medical student helping students navigate the ins and outs of one of the most competitive careers. I will be sharing the lessons I've learned and inviting guest speakers to provide real quality advice to help you get into medical school, succeed as a med student, and prepare you to become a future doctor. Want more free quality advice? Subscribe to my YouTube channel and follow me on Instagram at MedKinza, where I post videos and infographics delivering content to you every week. Now sit back, relax, and learn something new. And don't forget to hit subscribe so you don't miss any of my latest episodes released every week. Hey, welcome. This is episode 25. In this episode, I will be interviewing Rachel from Austin, Texas. She graduated from the University of Texas at Austin in 2020 with a degree in biology. She will be starting medical school at the California School of Podiatric Medicine this fall. I hope that I pronounced that right. And she's super passionate about encouraging and advising pre-meds to persevere in achieving their goals and educating you guys about another route to becoming a physician. Hi, Rachel. Thank you so much for coming on the podcast. I'm so excited to have you here. Hi, thank you so much for having me, and I'm really excited to be here. Yeah, of course. So aside from the intro, I think people got kind of a little bit of a feel of who you are and where you're from. So our first question for you is, how did you decide that you wanted to pursue DPM, which stands for Doctor of Podiatric Medicine? Am I saying that right? I pronounce it podiatric medicine, but I mean, it's fine. It's fine. So how did you decide to pursue that out of all the healthcare fields that are out there? Sure. So I think my story and how I kind of discovered podiatry is very different from a lot of, not very different, but different uh, in a lot of ways than a lot of other people that I've heard. I know that a lot of people that kind of pursue podiatry either, you know, go to a podiatrist regularly, maybe, if they're like an athlete or something and they have an injury or whatever it is, uh, you know, or they knew somebody who was a podiatrist and was interested or on the more rare side. And I do make a point to mention this is uh, they heard about it through the university that they went to, if they had an advisor or whatever. But my, my personal experience was not like that at all. Mm-hmm. Like I never heard about it through school or through any advisors that I had. It was very much like a self discovery in a way. Um, Awesome. And so when I came across podiatry, I was kind of at a point where I was like, I was pre-med like, you know, from freshman year of college and, and like, I've always wanted to be a doctor. Like that was just for sure what I wanted to do. But then I kind of got to a point when I was in college Mm -hmm. that I was actually considering other like healthcare professions. I considered PA school and I considered, um, you know, you know, all other, all that stuff. Right. Yeah. yeah. And the reason I even considered other paths was because unfortunately, like my stats like in terms of like my grades and my MCAT and all that stuff really was just not competitive enough for like med school, at least where I'm from. Um, And so that kind of 
made me think like, okay, if I'm not competitive, then like, I just need to find something else. Mm-hmm. And I kind of just want to add maybe because of where I went to college and, you know, the pre-med culture of where I went to school, like, at least like for me, like I was a bio major. Mm -hmm. So like 90% of the people who are bio majors were pre-med or pre-something, you know, like there was very few people who didn't, who went like any other route for the most part. And I think from that, I was like very misled to believe that in order to even have a chance at med school, that you had to have like that 90th percentile MCAT, that like almost perfect GPA. But I like through my journey, I realized that's not necessarily the case. That's not true at all. Um, And so as I was researching professions, looking into, um, you know, what it takes to you know go to PA school or pharmacy school or whatever it is um I randomly got this email from the American Association of Colleges of Podiatric Medicine or the AACPM and it kind of just started listing off all these reasons why someone should consider podiatry school and it was at that point I realized that podiatry was completely separate from the path it takes to become an MD or a DO, like medical student. Right. That's when I was like, okay, that's interesting. I always just assumed that it was part of, you know, the MD or DO route. I had never, it never even occurred to me that it could be something separate. Like the same way that, you know, dental school is separate from like pharmacy school or whatever, you know. Mm-hmm. And so from that, I kind of started doing my own research. And I learned a lot just like from what was on that AACPM website. And I kind of picked up on different things like the variety of the patients that you see, uh, which really is very, which is vast. And the ability to have a work-life balance and actually being able to, you know, provide immediate relief to your patients. And I think the part that really sold me was being able to do surgery um as a psychiatrist that's pretty so i I, even i didn't know that Um, yeah it's pretty cool i think people are even still considering students who don't know much about do school are also still considering like oh can do's do surgery can do do's do everything mds can do so i think people even learn that a little bit later on that like yes you can do all of those different specialties fellowships, whatever you want to do, your options are open. So it's interesting to hear that you can do that in podiatry too. Mm -hmm. Yeah, there's so many things you can do. Um, And I think for me, one of the big pros of podiatry, coming from somebody who was already pre-med, like I was already on track taking the, the right classes and studying for the MCAT was I didn't need to take anything extra in terms of my prereqs or take a different exam when I was considering like PA you know you have to take the GRE for you know to get into school if you were PA you have to take GRE I think so they they have to do like the GRE and then and then if you want to do like say like pharmacy school you have to take like the PCAT or whatever so like I kind of did turn me off a little bit I was like do I really want to learn how to study for like a completely new test or do I want to have to take like a bunch of new or different prereqs than the ones that I already like had 
taken. And uh, yeah, and it just seemed like so much like extra things. And of course, if, if I was passionate about, you know, pursuing those, of course I would have done it, mm-hmm. but it just didn't click for me. And so that's kind of why I didn't, you know, settle on like a different profession, you know? Um, so looking into, it, I was like, okay, so far seems great. You know, don't need to take like, a different exam. Don't need to take any extra prereqs. They don't need to, there's not a whole lot of like differences from being pre-med to pursuing this, but I was still mildly unsure about if I was ready to commit to podiatry because it's, you know, your specialty. Like once you walk in the first day of school, you know your specialty. And I was like, am I really ready to commit? So you know? how, how long is the schooling for podiatry? So you do this after college, right? Four years right. after college? Mm-hmm. So it is a four-year program. And Wow. Yeah, like pretty much that's kind of how that goes. And even for me, like, yeah, I was still kind of unsure about like podiatry. So that's when I decided to shadow. And shadowing is what really changed everything for me. Um, I literally just went on Google, Google podiatrists in my area. I went off on calling uh, and emailing every podiatry clinic in my area and I was surprisingly was able to get quite a few responses from podiatrists who were so kind and so open to letting me as a, a student come in and shadow and I only say that because even when I before I considered podiatry like I did try to pursue shadowing like MD, DO physicians yeah. and a lot of them were not very open to letting me shadow and I was like I mean no shade to like those positions or anything like sure they have their own you know policies and they're very busy yeah they're you know and which is fine but um and for those of you who are (laughs) online recording of this like on Spotify or Apple I was doing hand quotes when I said busy I didn't mean to be like oh doctors are busy. I was just a little sarcastic that, you know, there is a little bit of a difference there. I had trouble finding shadowing too. I feel like most of the people I shadowed were family friends who Mm -hmm. uh, know me personally, know my family and were were more than happy to make accommodations and take me on. So Mm -hmm. I agree with you there in terms of just our isolated maybe experiences. People Mm -hmm. have very different experiences. Yeah, no, absolutely. And I'm, of course, I'm just trying to be honest with my own experience and just be true to it, you know. Um, So that was kind of how that was. But like I said, the podiatrists that reached out that did come back to me were very welcoming to students, were very open with sharing everything it is about podiatry. And they were just so passionate about what they did. And I really, it was really really inspiring and I was really happy that you know they were you know willing to take me in um and so my first day of shadowing was a day I'll never forget I went in and literally by the end of the day I knew this was the career for me um just every aspect of that day just really resonated with me like I mentioned there was so much variety like I saw like children patients and there were like elderly patients um one big thing that i learned from my first day of shadowing was how much um 
and diabetic care mm-hmm. uh, is involved in podiatry and and for me like you know my family like there's a lot of people who have diabetes and so like I already knew kind of like the implications and like the you know you know the way that affects people's life and knowing that I could potentially be able to help people in my family and things like that really was something that was important to me um and just yeah there were so many things that I saw and you know with wound care and ingrown toenails and even though those don't sound like the coolest things ever it it was interesting because a lot of like the things like with ingrown toenails like the like you do it in office and by like when they're done like the patient is happy they're relieved they don't have pain anymore like it's almost like an instantaneous um you know like care and relief and I was also um so whenever I was shadowing I would go in like a couple days a week and for about like I think six weeks um and I got I was like there for, for quite a long time to where I actually would see the same patients like follow-up visits and I yeah it was really cool because they would come back and they'd be like yeah I have no pain anymore I can actually like go for like longer walks or you know things like that and like those follow-up visits were very rewarding to watch mm-hmm. and that's pretty much how I decided to pursue podiatry um just from shadowing and I really do emphasize like to like you know people I know who are pre-med it's like if and you do anything shadow like if you can and I know how hard it is to find people to shadow but if you get the opportunity do it yeah I completely agree and you know I've been sitting on a few interviews now with my medical school uh they're interviewing candidates right now and they really also find the extracurricular portion of your application important, which includes the shadowing. They, every um, staff member I've at least sat on in, in an interview with will look at that and see like, okay, especially for a DO school, like have you even shadowed a DO? Just out of curiosity, like why is it that you're applying to our school or why is it that you wanna be an osteopathic physician? So it's very important to shadow no matter what field you're going into, like even for anything, like even what you're doing I'm sure the people on the interview committee were looking at your shadowing experience to see like, hey, does she even know what it really is? And you won't Mm -hmm. find out until you shadow. So that kind of leads me into my next question about the application process. So you did take the pre-med prereqs and I'm assuming you took the MCAT, but you didn't need an MCAT score to apply. So did you just need your pre-med requisite classes to apply? So I I just want to comment on the thing with the shadowing. So when, and it kind of ties into the application process, most, um, so there's nine programs in the entire U.S. uh, that does podiatry, just, yeah. So there's not a whole life um, of programs. Um, And as far as I'm aware, most of them, if not all, do require that you have a letter of recommendation from the podiatrist that you've shadowed. So it's almost a requirement to have shadowed a podiatrist. So that is one thing. Wow, nine schools. That's not a lot of schools. That makes it seem like it's very competitive too, though. Like, Yes. Or do people know? But people don't know. Exactly. I was going to say, like, 
it is still competitive, very much so, but um, just because of the lack of ed like, education and awareness. Yeah. yeah. Um, and so, okay, uh, then you mentioned like, um, like the application. So yes, so prereqs, in terms of prereqs, it's pre almost the same as MDDO. You still have to take like your two semesters of bio, two semesters of gen chem, two semesters of ochem, physics, like that whole thing. And you actually do need to take the MCAT. That is um, part of the application. So you do, yeah. So um, that is, I think, I, I'm, don't don't quote me on this, but I'm pretty sure there is one school that also will accept the DAT, like the dental school test. But for the most part, I think the MCAT is preferred. Um, yeah, but then what again, are, I'm what are the averages for the MCAT score that they generally look for and for GPA? Yeah, so um, in terms of MCAT, the average. The last time I checked was a 494 okay. and the GPAs, uh, the average cumulative, I want to say is around a 3.3 and then science, um, then the science GPA is 3.2. Okay. Yeah. That's pretty yeah. clear. I feel like all of us, I mean, I'll speak for myself maybe, but I definitely got like a 490 something on the first time I took the MCAT. It's a score that all of us, I'm sure, have gotten when we first took it, like as mm -hmm. a practice test. So if you want to really like work hard and build up to try to apply to DO and MD programs because you want to be like a general doctor, you can. But you also, it's great to hear that you have an option to specialize like right off the bat on the foot. And I kind of, I was wondering like if you have four years of schooling, what does your curriculum kind of look like? Because I have four years of learning like all the systems, right? But you guys have four years of learning just one area of the body. So how does that work? So in terms of like the timeline of like the program, it pretty much um, kind of looks like an MD or DO program where like you have your first two years, like your didactics, and then you have like your third and fourth years. Uh, like clinical years and so in terms of like the classes you take your first two years mm -hmm. um it's pretty much the same um classes that you would take in like an md or do program like you're taking your anatomy classes you're taking your physiology classes your histology and everything um most schools kind of follow that i think there's one program that does like the block like um system mm -hmm. um for their curriculum but for the most part it is uh most programs do semester-based classes and things like that kind of similar to like your college classes you know um and uh yeah so that's kind of how that goes and then um kind of like uh Oh goodness, I was, I was losing my train of thought. I had something. Totally fine. Um, I'll help you out there. So I was going to segue into kind of asking, like, are there subspecialties you can go into? Um, mm -hmm. Kind of how, you know how there's a residency process for MDDO? Mm -hmm. Do you guys have something similar? Yeah, so there is, like, a residency after you complete, like, your four years of school. And... Um, 
So generally, like at that point, like you already know like your specialty, right? So most of the residency programs kind of follow the same thing. You might do like different things like in each year and um, that you're a resident, but it's um, a surgical residency and it's actually only a three-year residency. Mm-hmm. And if you want to subspecialize, uh, usually if you want to, you can pursue a fellowship that's usually like a year or two um, after um, your residency. And so, you know, and in that, like you can hone in your skills for the various subspecialties in podiatry, like there's sports medicine, I mentioned, like diabetic care, wound care, uh, dermatology, pediatrics, orthopedics, like all, there's so many subspecialties. I'm sure I'm only listed like just like a surface. All the same ones that even we have, right? Mm -hmm. Same specialties you can go into, just maybe a little bit more focused on really Mm -hmm. being specialized in the foot and Mm -hmm. being an expert and maybe lower extremity more than upper extremity might be probably the only Mm -hmm. difference here. Mm -hmm. Right. Oh, I remember what I was trying to uh, say earlier about the courses. So yeah, we take like basically the same classes that most MDDO students do. But in addition to that, we have like a podiatric medicine class, like, um, you know, some schools might just, it might just be like a podiatric medicine class for maybe in other places. It's like a a lower extremity anatomy course in addition to like your general anatomy course or kind of like, I kind of wanted to like, kind of, it's similar to how for DO students, like you take the same classes as like MDs, but then you have like your OMT or your OMM class you know, kind of like that. Yeah. Yeah. We have like that extra additional training on top of the same thing for us. Like we just have that one like additional, like podiatry specific course and that could be different things. Um, yeah. Yeah. Thank you for sharing that. So my next question for you is, do you guys have like a licensing? I'm sure you guys have a licensing exam, but I'm going to rephrase that to, um, like a board exam. So mm-hmm. with Emily, step one is the MD board exam. For DOs, mm-hmm. we take Comlex, but a lot mm-hmm. of us also choose to take US Emily. So what do you what do you guys take in the middle of your four years? Yeah, so in order to be licensed as a podiatrist, you have to take the American Podiatric Medical Licensing Exam or APMLE and then yeah there's parts one, two, and three. And I think part two is like separate, like there's two different sections. Oh, wow. um, How long I would assume, uh, I know part one is four hours, I wanna say, okay. but I'm not familiar with the rest. Then again, I'm currently not in school right now to really know all the details. Like I don't start until the fall, so. I'm not 100%. Sorry, I was assuming you were first year, but congratulations, you're starting this fall. Yeah, thank you. Thanks. Um, But this is just kind of like from my own understanding. So, but yeah. um, And so like the points at which you would take these exams, I would assume it's about the same times as like MD and DO students, like when you would take like, you know, your like step one and stuff, like you take step one, 
like most like MDDO students take step one after their second year, mm -hmm. kind of the same thing. Uh, you would take part one for uh, podiatry students after your second year. Um, and then I'm not really sure the exact timeline of uh, part two and part three, but I would assume Probably you would similar where you take it after yeah. your third year or something or mm -hmm. fourth year and then you take it the last one probably before you graduate or something. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And then another thing to note about uh, podiatric boards is um, it's graded on like a pass no pass scale. I know step one, they recently changed uh, step one to being yeah. like passable for the next for next year. But as far as I'm aware, um, the APMLE has always been uh, pass fail. So that's one one thing that's probably very different than the USMLE and stuff like that. Yeah. I think that's awesome. I think I know I, I understand it may maybe it makes it hard to like figure out which applicants are like the best applicants. Again, I'm using my my air quotes, but um, it's really easy to look at stats and kind of categorize students or applicants mm -hmm. for like even residency and beyond. So I think the pass fail decision. Whew, I just froze one second. My camera died, so I'm going over to my other camera here. Okay, so we're back. But I was trying to say that pass fail really helps students like show their other skills you know like you can go and you can go and shadow now different specialties as a medical student or a podiatric student i still don't know if i'm pronouncing that right i'm sorry you're good. You got it. You're good. so you can go and do those things you can go and do research you can like you have so much time to like focus on real clinical applications rather than sitting there and trying to memorize every little detail that you can memorize to get a really high score unfortunately i will still be taking the numerical um exam like the it'll be scored so mm -hmm. i think it's pass fail the next year but um thank you so much for sharing some of the things about your degree that you're soon you will get in four years maybe not too soon but four years <laughs> and it must be exciting for you to go and start that this fall so congratulations again and thank you for like sharing this route i think a lot of people i have a lot of pre-med listeners like you guys must be listening right now and thinking this might be something you're interested in and if it is definitely take rachel's advice and go shadow but with that i'm gonna ask rachel her last question for the podcast which is what is one piece of advice that changed your life that you would like to share with everyone today yeah i think my biggest advice to anyone whether you're pre-med or not um, even though I'm sure like most of your listeners are pre-med, but I, the one thing that really helped me was just having faith. And I really do believe that having even just a little bit of faith will take you a long way. You know, I say this because even at the, at the end of the day, if things don't go the way you planned or things change, your faith will still be there, mm -hmm. you know, and you know, that might mean something different for you. It, for me, like, you know, I'm a Christian and my faith is what motivates me. Yeah. And, you know, honoring God, glorifying Jesus is what drives me, even on days when I have very little faith that things are going to work out. Yeah. And I didn't mention this earlier, but one of the big things about my journey was I actually applied to podiatry school twice. And it wasn't until the second time that I had applied that I actually got in. And that experience in and of itself is very involved and I'll spare the details, but you can imagine 
how difficult that can be and the kind of faith you need to like pick yourself back up and keep going because you do question whether you're capable of pursuing this you know career or if this is what you're meant to do and you know for some people you know you do need to like do awful on your MCAT or do really bad in OCHEM to realize okay this path is not for me but I also want to encourage like don't let those things be the reason why you don't follow your dreams you know yeah that's great Um, and you know the reason why I even tried was because I kind of started thinking you know, after that first, you know, application cycle, I was like, you know, if I really wasn't capable of this, or if I, if this, like, career path was not for me, why did the opportunity even come my way, you know, and why is it that when I was looking into other career options, when I was looking into PA school or pharmacy school, whatever, that nothing resonated with me, and it's because this was the career that was in the plan for me and you know during the year that I took off before I applied again uh, the one piece of like you know scripture that really you know stuck with me and I'm paraphrasing this but essentially it says that everything is made beautiful in its time and so for anyone who is pre-med listening and is struggling through like no matter how poorly you do in one of your classes or in school or how bad you do on your MCAT if it's in the plan for you to become a doctor with hard work in time it will happen for you because it happened for me yeah and that's really all the advice I can give I love that thank you so much for sharing that I know that this at least touched one person's heart who's listening right now. So thank you for sharing that. And thank you for coming on the podcast. It was great to have you. Yeah, of course. If you guys have enjoyed the podcast, make sure you hit subscribe so you don't miss any new episodes released every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. Also, if you've learned one little thing from the show, I would really appreciate it if you could leave a rating and review on Apple or Spotify. It means a lot to me and I do read them all. Thank you guys and I will see you in the next one.